Yes, all aboard the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. As the train is building up ahead of steam, picking up passengers along the way. It's your conductor, Anthony Smith, the host of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. So grab your ticket, get on board, enjoy the ride. This train is going to take you on a journey unlike ever before. Buckle up, the show is about to begin. Welcome into another edition of the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. On this edition, I will be playing some of my best interviews. So stay tuned to the A Train Sports Talk Podcast as I will bring you the best of interviews from yours truly. So enjoy the ride. This is your host and conductor, Anthony Smith, on the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. And this episode is about to begin now. Welcome to my final episode of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. And as I told you, we are picking up passengers. First, we started with Coach Steve Martin, Northwest Grizzlies. Then we picked up along the way Mark Potter. And now the guy who I think has a lot of influence on me podcasting now because he used to let me sit in the studio with him at 6, 7 o'clock in the morning at KGSO. Then he broke everybody's heart and went to Charlotte, North Carolina, but he's back. My friend, my brother, Chris Allison. Chris, how you doing? Anthony, how are you, my friend? Good to talk to you as always, and congratulations on episode 100 of the podcast. That's pretty cool, man. Who would have thought I'd do 100 episodes? If you would have told me (laughs) I'd be doing 100 episodes and talking to people like Coach Potter and Coach Martin and Chris Allison... Man, and I'm just having fun. I, I I might not be a household name, but main thing is I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. And it all goes back to you because I used to watch you all the time. You was just sitting in the studio, had a smile on your face, taking calls. And I know sometimes all the calls weren't the best calls, but you did it with a smile. So last time we talked, we were, you was telling us a little bit about your journey. I can't remember where we left off, but you're back here in Wichita and you're doing things. But I know you're still in tune with what's going on in the sports world. So I'm going to let you talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, first of all, to be, you know, to, um, to be back in the state of Kansas and in the midst of what's going on at Arrowhead Stadium right now, it's exciting. And, you, you know, I, I grew up uh, from day one a Chiefs fan. And, you, you know, there, there were certainly – a lot of low moments in the what last from 48 years old. So there's a lot of low moments in those 48 years. Um, there were, there were some great moments, you know, there were some very good football teams and you think back to Neil Smith and Derek Thomas and, mm-hmm. and how great that defense was for a darn good stretch. And then at the same time, how bad the offense was at the same time. And, 
and you know, then you kind of go to the Dick Vermeil days when the offense was at times unstoppable, but their defense couldn't stop anybody, and uh, they just never were able to put together, uh, you know, both sides of the ball. And now that's obviously changed, and to see the difference maker at quarterback and and all of the creativity and the talent and speed and everything you're seeing on offense and you know you equivalent that with I think it's pretty darn good defense on the other side of the ball. It's not the best in the NFL, but it's certainly good enough to win another Super Bowl, I think. It's you know, so it's really been you know, last year I was out in Charlotte, North Carolina when uh, that was all happening and believe it or not, they had a Chiefs uh, Charlotte Chiefs fan club out there that got together and watched games and and, and so that was kind of cool to see you know see that form but to, to be back here now and and you know to to be you know three hours from Arrowhead and and to be around a lot of fans that just really are into what's going on it's it's been special so I'm hoping they're able to put together another great run here in the playoffs as they did a year ago. Well, since we're speaking of football and you mentioned how at one time the defense was great and the offense was not so great. Then there was times the offense was great, but the defense wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. What can we do from a defensive standpoint? Because it seemed like the rules that have changed over the years have basically taken defense out the game to the point to where we're looking at maybe five years down the road, they're basically going to be playing touch football. <laughs> well, there's really two things going on throughout all of this. And, and you can, you know, there's, there's aspects of this in both college and NFL football. But number one was the safety factor. And, you know, when, when, when I think back 10, 12 years ago, and I was maybe longer, uh, when I was on the air in Wichita, they, you know, they took away, well, they introduced this um, defenseless player terminology to us and I didn't like it at the time you know I'm, I, I like the big hits and you know we watch foot but you know we watch football be, in, in part because we like seeing that physicality and and you know it's kind of like NASCAR races right I mean you, a lot of people they, they want to see that wreck that's right. the big one right? right and we wanted to see the big hits in the NFL but I kind of got I, as, as time went along I kind of got it man I, I see where they're coming from the concussion issues and you know, the violence of the sport, while it's still there, uh, I do think they've cleaned it up a little bit and, and made it a safer sport. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy to see that happen. Um, on the other hand, I would hate to be a defensive player right now, especially on the college side, where you're, you know, you're, you could be disqualified from the game in a, you know, in a matter of an instinct when you really meant no harm at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole, the, the whole targeting issue is, that's a tough one, you know, and you see, you see, you see guys that aren't trying to hurt anyone. They just get sometimes caught in a bad situation where they're going down uh, to make a hit. And at the same time, the player's also lowering their head and the head comes, the, the heads come together. And the next thing you know, the offensive players or uh, the offense gets 15 yards and the defensive players kicked out of the game. That's right. a tough one. I, again, I get the safety aspect of it, but boy, to be a defensive player as quickly as the game moves and to have it all taken away from you in a matter of an instant would be real difficult. So I feel for those guys. 
Um, the other thing that we saw was, you know, people just love points, right? I mean, uh, I think the NFL gets it. You know, the 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 more Patrick Mahomes of the world, the, the more, um, you know, 45, 50, 55 touchdown seasons that we could see, uh, the, the more popular the sport is. Fans would rather watch, and I don't know that this is across the board, but um, I can enjoy a 10-7 to 7 football game. I, I don't have a problem with that, but I think for the most part, the NFL sees it like 45-42 is way better than 10-7. So let's 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 make the offense uh, that much um, you know that much easier to put points on the board. And so defensive players and pass pass interference now and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's a whole different ball game. I still yeah. love it, but there's no question it's a whole different game. And um, I get the safety aspect of it, but. Uh, it, it's certainly difficult to be a defensive player, really, in college and pro football right now. Right, it, and even and even when it comes to sacking the quarterback, and the NFL had to do with that when they made that new rule, like you couldn't land on them. And I don't know how many times we saw Clay Matthews do a picture perfect. This is how we taught you to tackle when you were in Pee Wee League, and now that mm-hmm. very same technique that we taught you, you're getting penalized for it. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you know it's they, they protect those guys. Um, that the money's better, the the viewership's better, which makes your TV money, uh, you know, pan out like you want it when the quarter when when we're watching starting quarterbacks and great quarterbacks and not second third string guys. So uh, they, they've tried very hard to protect those guys, and and you know it's still ah, it's a tough job. You know, it's a tough job. To, to be a quarterback in the NFL there, you, you know, you're still getting, you're still taking a lot of hits. And, and you know, even with the rules that they are right now, as they try to protect these guys, but it is, um, you know, it's, again, I, I look at the defensive players and what, what's legal and what's not. And sometimes it's hard to sort all of that out, especially when you think of, you know, how instant the moments are that, you know, that they have to make decisions and, yeah, it's tough, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Now, you watch college football, you watch pro football. So, mm-hmm. last night was the semis of the college football playoff. Do you think they have the right system, or do you think there's time for expansion? Mm, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing it go to, to eight. I wouldn't mind seeing a non-Power Five have an opportunity uh, to um, – you know, to see where they stack up. I think most often in college football, um, I think the power five schools probably are the, the, the better schools, but you know, who's to say, you know, but you know, who's to say, like, like for instance, Cincinnati, a nine and O football team, mm-hmm. who's to say they don't deserve a chance at least to be a part of the party. Right. I, I think most often that team's probably going to fall. If uh, Cincinnati played Alabama, Right now, I think there's probably quite a bit of separation between those two schools. But on the other hand, um, an 18 playoff would give us a chance to at least see the game, and it would give a non-Power 5 the opportunity to have something to play for. Um, you know, the, the, the FCS, those guys have a 16-team playoff, and they eventually get to a national champion. But if you're not in a Power 5, mm-hmm. but you're in one of the – you're an FBS but not a Power 5 school, um, yeah, no, what are you playing for? I mean, a conference title, and I guess one team gets a shot at 
um, or two teams get a shot at a big bowl game. Uh, man, I mean, it, it's I'd like to see Cincinnati, for instance, in this case, have an opportunity. At, and, and so I'd go for that. But on the other hand, uh, I you know I was okay with the four teams they pulled into this thing. Uh, Notre Dame, just uh, you know, gosh, I mean, they're just they're close. And Brian Kelly's doing a great job. They're just not quite there yet. He improved the interior of both the offensive and the defensive line, which matches up better to a Clemson and Alabama. But then just the right now their skill players aren't there uh, right. compared to what we saw with Alabama last night. And uh, Give it to Ohio State. What a game. Uh, they, you know, right. Brent Venables, a, Especially Brent Venables the is a Kansas guy, the Clemson defensive coordinator. He's one of my former teammates in, in uh, high school and college. And uh, and it's not very often that you see one of his defenses get shoved around like that. Right. And Ohio State was able to do it last night. And and so I think we're in for a heck of a national title game. I, I'm looking forward to that next Monday. Yeah, and, and what was amazing, according to Dabo Sweeney, Ohio State was the 11th ranked team. <laughs> I had, yeah, I had, I had them, to put that in there. He gave them a little bit of uh, motivation with that, didn't he? Absolutely. And it's so happy. Yeah. Now that we're looking at this Ohio State-Alabama game, those are two of your bigger markets in college football, Alabama and Ohio. Those are two of your biggest college markets. So imagine what the TV ratings are going to be for that game next week. Well, it's two, you know, blue blood programs and um, talent all over the field. Uh, Coach Day of Ohio State, what a job he has done in – uh, taking that program to now this level and uh, second consecutive year in the playoffs. And last year they were disappointed after a close loss to Clemson. And, and last night, man, they, they, they put it down on them. Uh, they handed Clemson um, one heck of a, of, of a loss. And, and so I think Ohio State match, I, I still think with Alabama and the talent that we see on that field, it's going to be an Alabama win. But I, I think we'll see a good game. Absolutely. Well, we're down to two minutes left on this segment here for you. And I do thank you for reaching out and catching up with me. And, you know, we're going to have to do this again soon. But on my 100th episode, talking with Chris Allison, I call him my mentor in this business because he let me sit up under him and watch him. He probably thought I was crazy getting up that early in the morning. Probably, Probably thinking, this guy should have a job somewhere. I'm like, well, I want your job. But Chris, <laughs> thanks for catching up with me today. We will do this again. We have longer time because I want to hear some more about your time in Charlotte. But until next time, I do appreciate you and thank you for making this podcast what it was by your presence. All right, my friend. You know, I appreciate you and, and congratulations on the 100 episodes. And let's catch up again soon. Absolutely. Once again, Chris Allison on A Train Sports Talk podcast. And that will be the wrap on this segment. Thank you. Once again, Chris Allison, formerly of the Game Plan, KGSO, had his own show in Charlotte on ESPN called The Pulse. And now he's back here in Wichita. Like I say, I don't know how many times I went into that studio in the mornings just to watch him do what he does. And oftentimes he would let me put the headset on and say three words. I mean, well, what could you say? He was the legend. But Chris was also one that would develop talent. 
I mean, I could name the gold standard, Alex Gold, just to name at least one. Uh, there's some others whose names is not quite on the tip of my tongue, but it'll come to me after I publish this podcast. But Chris, whenever he did, when he had a co-host, he would let them develop their, he would basically help them develop their talent. And they were going to bigger heights. Like I say, Alex Gold, he even had a show on ESPN radio called the gold standard. Uh, like I said, there are some other names that's not registering with me right now, but eventually they will. So I'm very honored that Chris was able to join me on this episode. 100th episode. Think about that. For me, that's a milestone. And the best is yet to come. Because next year, I might have a co-host. But you'll have to stay tuned to find that out. But until next time, take care of yourself and each other. And once again, Happy New Year. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.cakeybums.com. That's www.cakeybums.com. www.cakeybums.com to enhance your workout with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. You are listening to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your conductor, Anthony Smith, and I am picking up passengers today. This is my 100th episode, and for me, that's an epic accomplishment. I never thought I'd do 100 episodes of podcasting, and the first passenger I'm picking up is on the line with me right now, my good friend, and he calls me his friend as well, too, the one and only, the legendary Coach Steve Martin. Coach Martin, Happy New Year. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Uh, I haven't been called a legend, so that's a first for me. So you caught me off guard this early morning. But uh, doing good, man. Uh, you know, excited to uh, start this new year in 2021 the right way with a positive outlook on things. Exactly. And I know, and this is probably the hardest way to start with the podcast, I know that the results we were looking for in the state championship is not the results we were looking for. But at the end of the day, and I know you've had time to reflect, the one thing you could take from it is this right here. We made it through the season. With all the ups and downs, the speed bumps, as I would like to call them, the hiccups, games being postponed, rescheduled, games being literally rescheduled on the fly where teams had to play different teams that weren't even on the schedule, just to be able to make it through a season where it looked like there wasn't going to be a season, there had to be a sigh of relief. Yeah, no, absolutely. After reflecting on the season and and what a long eight months, ten months this has been from March, you know, from, you know, everybody basically the state getting on lockdown to where we are now. It's just been 
a long, uh, exhausting ride. And, you know, I'm so proud of our community and proud of our kids over at Northwest. And, you know, for that matter, in the state of Kansas and, and especially Wichita, that, you know, there's a group of people that banded together to ensure the safety of our kids. And, you know, we gave our kids an outlet. And that's what it was all back for in August was to give our kids a chance to uh, give an outlet for our kids to, um, you know, just have some relief and uh, to be able to have a season was was epic. You know, looking back, are we are we uh, disappointed we didn't win it? Absolutely. I think everybody who's a competitor would be disappointed when you lose your last game. But, you know, as you reflect on things and you evaluate yourself as a coach, there's more than winning those rings and uh, that bigger plaque, um, you know, uh, when you look at it, I think what uh, the definition of coach is and, you know, depending on where you are in, in life uh, means a lot different to other people. And for us to be able to give our kids the, the opportunity and show them some life skills and uh, fighting for what they believe in and, and being able to do it in a diplomatic, positive way, I think is something that our kids can, can take with them for the rest of their lives and you know, I told those guys after we lost state championship game, I'm so excited to see where this group of kids are in 10, 20 years because I think by the adversity that our kids have been shown, they're going to rise out of the ashes and it's going to be something very, very special to see what they do. All right. Now, I have to ask you this question because I remember texting you one day and you happened to have been in Lawrence, Kansas. And you were watching... Iowa State versus KU. Or should I say you were watching Brees Hall versus <laughs> KU? And the funny yeah. thing, the funny thing is before this was back in like 2017, I was on my way to Minneapolis to visit my daughter, stopped at a uh convenience store in the state of Iowa and bought a ball cap. And of all the ones I seen for some reason that Iowa State Cyclones cap stood out. And I wear it proudly, but now I have more reason to wear it because I'm like, well, you know, we got a Wichita product playing for them. What was that feeling like being at that game to watch one of your star pupils? Well, I mean, the amount of pride that, you know, we have for him and and a lot of our kids, you know, it's it's one of those things that you can look back on and you kind of get a little teary-eyed when, you, when you're there in person and you see them as uh, – it's something special. You think you have a um, a chance to mold kids, and I, I think Brees would say uh, the relationship that me and have me and him have is a special one. And you know that's just with all our players. And so, you know, it, it was funny the other day because you know Marcus uh, down at Oklahoma, even you know I saw him walking on the sidelines of their uh, uh, their Cotton Bowl game against Florida, and you just get a self pride of that you get a, just a sliver of a chance to be around some kids that are just wholesome, great kids before athletes. And, you know, the sense of pride that, you know, I was there to watch Brees and stuff, um, you know, is a is a fraction of, of just exactly what high school sports are about. It's, it's not always about getting that scholarship, but it's bringing out the potential of kids. And, and I think Brees would say that, you know, I think that's what we were able to do with Brees is show him that he can be something special. And and that's what we try to bring out in our kids is that, you know, if they put their minds to it, anything is achievable. 
And Greece is just a small fraction, I think, of the kids that we've been able to reach. But you know, the amount of pride that we have, and, you know, it's fun sitting here as a family. We've watched, you know, a lot of Iowa State games, more Iowa State games than, than I've ever watched in, in, in my lifetime. And, you know, you, you all of a sudden get a get a bandwagon, you know, so to speak, where you're following the team now instead of just your, uh, your kid. And, you know, in saying that, for some reason, I, I've had a liking. It's it's kind of like the teams that don't fare so well in the Big 12, you kind of wish they would do good or they had a glimmer of success. You want them to do good, like KU during the Man Geno era, and they've struggled since then. But Iowa State was always that one team. I'm like, I would love to see them do good because even in some of their down years, they find a way to beat their big brother, Iowa, and then they would get that one signature win in the conference, but to see them putting it all together, and I've even heard even some local talk show hosts talk about they're not sold on Campbell as the coach for Iowa State, but who else would do the job that he's doing and being able to get this program going in the right direction? Yes, they split with OU, but Iowa State, I think they're on solid ground. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. How do you feel about that? I mean, if you even had a chance, if you could go drink a cup of coffee with Coach Campbell, you would see why they are so special in the supporting cast of coaches that he has put in that program. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he is the right guy for the job at Iowa State, you know. And, you know, you can talk about looking sports writers and, and you can do all that other stuff. But, you know, when you are in it as a coach, and you listen to a guy who's actually, I think Coach Campbell just turned 38. So I'm a year older than Coach Campbell. Wow. And we always joke about that when we talk. But to have that sense of leading all these young men from 19 to 22-year-olds, and those guys, if you would talk to Paris, if you would talk to the Hutchinsons, the Brock Purdy's of the world over there in Iowa State, the Mike Roses, they would literally go to war for Coach Campbell, and not only just because he's their coach, but I think those guys see him as a father figure. And when I mean father figure, not that he would replace their dads, but just a guy that generally cares about people and shows you how you want to raise young men and, and treat people and your spouse. But, you know, I like him to the point where I will always be a Matt Campbell friend, not Matt Campbell fan no matter where he goes. And the reason is because of how he treats people. Um, you know, when I was able to sit down with him, he can, him and coach Nate Shieldhouse, um, uh, Casey Rockers legend and Illinois all American was recruiting Brees and, and Brees had already committed. And I can't remember the playoff game. It might've been the second or third round. They had an off week and, you know, they wanted to come down and make sure that Brees was a hundred percent, you know, they just want to stop him, have an in-home visit and stuff. But, him and LaRonda, and, you know, I remember him sitting there and spending 30 minutes with me in the locker room, and we're talking about our game plan, you know, and, and he was kind of asking me why we do certain things and how we do certain things. He doesn't – he feels that he can learn from from everybody. And, you know, when I had other coaches in the building, um, the only other guy that has really impressed me with recruiting – is Larry Johnson, the defensive line coach at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Those two guys, him and Matt Campbell, have been huge 
in my eyes, of, of really treating people the right way. Larry Johnson knew, and Matt Campbell know, and those are two successful names in the college football business right now, but they know that it starts with being people, person, and relationships. And I think that the reason why Matt Campbell fits so good at Iowa State is Iowa State is just like Kansas State. Bill Snyder, when Bill Snyder came in, did a lot of stuff relationship-wise in the state of Kansas, and then they're at the university, at the Kansas State University, in that big turnaround. And you can see Matt Campbell putting his touch on Iowa State and being able to go into Ames and, and win that town and, and make Ames a special place to be because of the relationships. And that's why I think he is the right guy for the job. And those people at Ames need to be doing anything they can to keep that man there. And I think it's going to happen because, you know, money's great, but I think Matt Campbell also knows that the grass is not always greener when you look at the coaching carousel in college football. You know, four years ago, everybody and their dog wanted Tom Herman to be their head coach. LSU, Texas, everybody's fighting for uh, Tom Herman. And now Texas can't get rid of him. You know, it's it's just a a crazy profession where – one year you're loved, and two years later, everybody hates your guts and thinks you can't coach anymore. And, and you know, I'm, I'm gonna throw this name out, and I know there's some controversy behind his name, but I think Greg Marshall said it best during his time at Wichita State when he said, Why would I mess with happiness? Whereas if I go to one of these big schools and I may win two or three years, but if I have one down season, I may be out the door. So, why mess with happiness? And I think you said it best. So, I'm going to ask you this question, then I'm going to get some, pick your brain on some things within the City League. Could Matt Campbell, and I know this may be far-fetched, but then again, it might not be. Could Mark, could Coach Campbell be the Mark Few of college football? You know, I, I think that's something that you could say so. You know, if you look at it, you break down salary rise, and I, and I don't know the exact number. And I, I could be mistaken, but I believe Coach Campbell's in the top 40 of eight coaches in college football right now. So when you look at that, the only reason that I could see Matt Campbell ever looking is that he wants to be able to get the three, four, five-star recruit to bring into this five-star culture um, that he has created. And wherever he is, at, whether that's Ames, whether that's Ohio State, whether that's the University of Florida, Notre Dame, wherever, I think Matt Campbell will win. But that is where the only reason I would say Matt Campbell would ever, ever look to leave is when he gets sick of trying to convince four- and five-star recruits to come to Ames, Iowa. Because here's what's going to happen is people are seeing what he's doing with the Brock Purdy's and the Brees Halls of the world and the Brock Hutchinson's. All of a sudden, I think those four-star recruits five-star guys are going to start looking at him to be able to have that edge, you know, and then I'll like, and the reason why I'll say this is I'm a big Notre Dame fan, but Notre Dame has made it to where they can compete in the trenches right now with the Alabama's Ohio state's Clemson, of the world. They just can't compete on the perimeter and mm-hmm. the perimeter is where it's explosive football. And that's where I see where coach Campbell would look to maybe move on eventually is that he knows that to be able to win consistently in the top 10, top five nations to be for a national title is that you have to have creatures and freaks out on the perimeter. And that's where I think the only reason that he would look to leave. 
Well, I, I look at it this way. If he wins the state of Iowa recruiting battles, I think he can pretty much get that done at Iowa State. Now, one of the things that we actually text about during the season, it was after your big win over North, and it basically came down to a issue of competition. And we know that this season, like we said, it was a very unusual season because you didn't get to start with your Heights and Bishop Carroll games like you normally would, but you got those games at the end of the season, which I thought was good preparation for the state playoff. But do you think it's time that the Greater Wichita Athletic League or C League, as we call it, you think it would serve us best to start scheduling teams that we could possibly be facing in the state tournament? Like, how about Northwest versus Mill Valley in a in a regular season game or Northwest versus Derby. I mean, we would like to see more yep. of that. How would you feel about that? No, absolutely. And that's something that we talked about, you know, um, the bus ride home was a long bus ride. And, and it's one of those where you evaluate yourself and you evaluate your program. And, you know, me and Coach Marinelli have sit here through the month of December and looking at ways that we can up our level of play. It's always about, there's always someone bigger and badder than you. I'm a big believer in that. No matter if you're the best in the state of Kansas, there's still someone in the Midwest region. And, you know, we still got to get to be the best in the state of Kansas. But, you know, when you look at a schedule like ours normally is, like this year coming up, you know, if, if all good things can go as planned this year, we start out with Bishop Carroll, we then play Heights, then Capon, and then East High. And then we play a couple of city schools, and then we end the year with Hayes going to the playoffs. That is a good schedule usually for us. But where we are right now is we do have to be able to try to find a way to get a derby on the schedule. We have to find a way to go play in a Lathan North, a Mill Valley, and, and, and a St. Thomas Aquinas, or you know uh, a Junction City even for that matter, up in that part of the woods. And so that is one thing we're doing is we're putting together a, work, uh, a wish list um, in the City League right now, uh, Jay Means has done a great job of allowing that. We have six games that were locked in into a City League schedule. And uh, so in two years, we, we are trying to look at finding a way to be creative and adding a derby to the schedule and a possible way Kansas City School. You know, but we also have to realize that, you know, Derby might be looking to go play an Oklahoma school, an Arkansas school, Missouri school to up their level. So, you know, hopefully that we can find an open ground to where we can play a derby or we can go to Kansas City. Because right now, you know, it really doesn't benefit us to go undefeated in the regular season if we're not getting challenged. And right now, it wouldn't be bad for the Grizzlies to lose a regular season game. You know, our last regular season game we ever lost was 2017 uh, to Bishop Carroll by uh, late touchdown with 17 seconds left. That was the last time Bishop Carroll's beat us, but that's also the last regular season game. You know, I think, I don't even know what the streak is. I think we're on like a 32-game uh, regular season winning streak right now, you know, and it's something that we got to look as, as we look at continuing uh, where we want to be and rising our level of play is we have to get out and play the best of the best. And, you know, I think our athletic director, Mr. Deckinger's at least open to allowing us to see what's out there now. Good. Uh, so, I mean, I would love to see that. And you mentioned Derby might be looking to play Missouri or Arkansas or Oklahoma. And, I think it would bode well because if you look, especially on the western side of the state, you have your Garden Cities playing teams from Oklahoma because I guess they're close enough. And 
I see no reason why come that couldn't happen within the city league. I mean, I would love to see, say, uh, Wichita Northwest versus uh, Tulsa Union or, you know, something of that magnitude. Well, you know, here's the thing is, I think what we got to do in, in the state we are, I think the state of Kansas has made uh, big steps from where we are. I believe we're mm-hmm. going into the 13th year uh, of allowing us to do a little bit more in the summer, um, you know, where we have no restrictions really in the summer um, compared to prior to 2009. You know, we were restricted to a one-day team camp. We couldn't do anything with multiple people. We could only lift weights. And I think the past 13 years, 12 years, we have gotten better at that. And now for us, now we got to look at how can we expand and be able to get better. Now, you know, 2020, I think, was a wash. You know, we got out of it what we could get out of it in the offseason with not being able to work out with our team from March to July. You know, I think those are things that are in the past. I think people are getting creative and understanding that we can do things and we can move on now. Now it's how do we rise our level to the next level. For us at Wichita Northwest, we always have to look inwards in our program and see what we're doing and if we're doing it the right way. And, you know, right now, getting ready to start in January, you know, here in Monday, we'll start workouts again, and we are looking at any way to make ourselves better. And, you know, it's kind of a reboot. Uh, We're going to go back to some core values of ours and, and get back and roll our sleeves up and get work and find that next wave of, of being able to win that state title game. But also as a coach, we have to do a better of mentoring our youth. And, you know, I'm sad to hear I had a former player of mine uh, that I coached at Heights passed away on the January 1st, just the other day. And, you know, that really, real hangs heavy on my heart right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not always about wins. It's about monitoring our youth, not just in the guys that are in our program, but guys that have left our program. And finding a, just a way to keep these kids from doing some very, very damaging things. And, you know, that's the things that we're looking at to continue to make ourselves better. And, and I believe you are that man who can make an impact on these young people. You, you might can't save them all, but if you can save one, what a great impact that would be. Because I, I, I look at the news, too, and I'm uh, – preacher friend of mine years ago said like this he says there are many short graves as there is long graves and when you look at the news nowadays you're seeing too many young people dying over senseless stuff and i call it there's another lost potential right there and i and i believe yeah yeah no i i agree it's you know i think there's some guys out there in our community that are tired of seeing our youth do this and, and I think there's more of us that need to step up. I know that there's more that I can do, um, you know, and I'm, any way that I can make a positive impact and help kids, not even just kids in Northwest, but just kids in general all around the Wichita area. I think, you know, if you're not looking at ways to do that and improve the quality of life for these kids, you're not in it for the right reasons. And I know for me, you know, that's came something that's came. You know, when I was 22 years old and starting the profession, all I really cared about was winning football games, and I didn't care how to get there. But, you know, as you get older and you start seeing the type of impact that you have on kids, because now at 39 years old, now I'm seeing kids that I coached 10 years ago. Now they're 28 years old, and we're talking about them, and they're talking about the life lessons that you gave them and, 
and tools that they've given. And now they're laughing and, you know, you can give those guys hugs. You can tell them you love them. And, uh, you know, there's, there's more that, uh, more that we can give to our community. And, and that's kind of the way I'm looking at it on my, you know, you, if you call it the back half of my coaching career, I guess you could say at 39 years old, you know, um, that we just got to do a better ways of impacting kids. And, and, and that's really my goals from now on is, is how can we make a difference, a positive difference in our kids that we get across every day. All right. Now, here's the last thing I want to lead out with. We got approximately about eight minutes, seven and a half minutes. But all this time is yours. I know you had a chance to watch some college football. Do you think it's time for the college football playoff to expand? Now, I'm going to give you my theory. 12-team expansion. The top four teams get a bye. Teams five through 12 play it out. Technically, I don't think Notre Dame would have been my fourth team. But pit Notre Dame against Cincinnati, and yes, I know Cincinnati lost their game to Georgia, but they balled out. They they put a scare in Georgia. Imagine Notre Dame versus Cincinnati. I think that would be a, one of the more competitive games of the 5 through 12 matchups. What do you think about that? Here's the deal. I believe that in college football right now, there's Alabama. I would have said Clemson before yesterday's game and the Ohio States. And right now, I think the disparity in the elite level athleticism on the perimeter is so different right now that I don't think that it matters who it is. I think right now, if you go look at the historical game of a one versus a four right now, I I don't know the stat for off the top of my head in the past seven years, but I don't remember a one versus four game ever being close so far in this playoff. And I don't know if it's because we don't have the right team in there, but what I'm looking at is if you expand and you go eight, I believe eight would be a good number because then what happens to when you go to a 12 team, there's always going to be the argument, just like there was this year. Should Notre Dame have been the number four seed or should Texas A&M or should Florida, if Florida would have beat Alabama, would Florida have been in the game? There's arguments for everybody. Could OU have been in the game as a four seed? Possibly. But I think the reason why you have to keep it a low number is that the regular season has to matter. And that's why I believe Notre Dame should have been a four seed, even though I'm a Notre Dame fan. I believe Notre Dame should have been that four seed, even though they didn't play very well. And, and Alabama showed the uh, the weakness of Notre Dame. I just don't think right now that there's a lot of teams that compete with Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. I know everybody wants to say Cincinnati has a feel-good story, and that was great. They did play. They did ball out. I was very impressed with what those guys, Coach Fickle, you know, is an Ohio State guy. Learned under uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, you know, he wasn't a sexy name back in the day as Tom Herman was when he was at Ohio State. But, you know, the case is, is just like high school football. Eventually, you're going to have to have a cutoff. Whether that cutoff is 14th, 18th, or 16th. That 17, 18 seats always going to have an argument. 9 and 10 are always going to have an argument. 5, 6, and 7 are always going to have an argument. You know, we live in an imperfect world. And uh, 
it's one of those things where I think four is enough. It's how do we properly get the top four in there? I don't think you can say the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, you know, have to have those four spots. You know, that grumbling with the Coastal Carolinas, the Liberty, the, the Louisianas of the world, those guys can play. But what happens is that that only happens once every five, six years, <laughs> excuse me, where the magic happens, where a UCF can actually win that game, or a Boise, Boise State, State can take Oklahoma <laughs> to a two-overtime game. I'm not saying that can't happen every year, but I just think the one-through-four matchup is probably the best thing right now in the business world of NCAA football because if you start looking at things, all of the NCAA right now cares about is money. And I feel like when they start adding those playoff games, all of a sudden the curb appeal of the Citrus Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, who all those people are counting on for that money, all of a sudden gets to the wayside. So what what happens is you're dealing with two entities. You're dealing with the business side, and then you're dealing with the national championship game. And I think those things are separate. And, you know, just like the BCS, was it perfect? No. But we always had a champion, and it was always a big moneymaker. And I think that's the way the NCAA looks at it. How can we, yes, get a national champion, but also how can we make the most money? And that's where we're having the issue is everybody's looking at it two ways. Well, all right, Coach. I do thank you for your time. I wish I had a little bit more time because I would have asked you about the brawl. But we will table that until the next time. But that was absolutely that was an eyesore. I could not believe what was going down. I could not. I couldn't even believe the kid did a karate kick and then tried to run. But like I said, there's we will talk about. There's that. no room in the game for that. And before you sign off. I'll say there needs to be some suspensions, not just a game after that. That was that was disgusting, and that is totally against what the game of football is. So I'll let you get uh, checked off here, and it was been great to be on here with you. And it's been great having you once again, Coach Steve Martin of the Wichita Northwest Grizzly Football Powerhouse Team. Uh, we will get you back on once again. But right now I have to take a break, so thanks for tuning in to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. I will be back after this word from my sponsor. Hi, this is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome into the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Today I have a very special guest, and we're going to dive into some things, uh, now, there's a local radio station, and unfortunately, their their pastor guy, he passed away. He was known as Pastor Mike, would call in the KFH radio. Well, today I have on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, I'm just going to call him Pastor Penn for short. Now, the man can preach the word of God, but today we're talking sports on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. As I always tell you, I hope you got your tickets. Get on board because today the train is picking up a passenger, and the passenger today is none other than that of Jermaine Pennington, aptly called on the show Pastor Penn. Jermaine, welcome to the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. How you doing this morning? Yeah, I'm good. Glad to be here. Glad to have you here. And 
the one thing, like I said in my in introducing you, is that you are also an avid sports fan, and I guess it's safe to assume that you're also a avid Shockers fan. But first of all, before we go there, let's do this. Congratulations to those Northwest Grizzlies. I'm gonna talk about them later. But congratulations to the Northwest Grizzlies making that third straight trip back to the state playoff championship game. Hopefully the third time to Trump. So congratulations to Northwest High School and Coach Steve Martin, who's also been on my show and is a good friend of mine. So congratulations. But Jermaine, oh, Jermaine, you also went to Northwest. So I'm pretty sure you kind of hoping that they get the job done this time around. Because that program also has suffered some losses uh, when they're, Players of recent times passed away in a tragic death, but they also got a player playing at Iowa State in the name of Brees Hall, who's making a name for himself. So, but back to this situation with Wichita State, because you have been very passionate about what's been going on. You've been on my news feeds on Facebook, and even when they had the mass exodus of players, and we, we've been keeping a tally on what's been going on. But now we come to the resignation of Greg Marshall. Was it a resignation or was it a forced resignation with a buyout, so to speak? I mean, $7.75 million, that's not like a partial buyout because if you look at the contract, the fact that it was a rolling contract, and I think he had like seven years, you're looking at, you know, if they don't show calls and they terminate the man, it said that he would have been paid upward like $23 million. So is this a situation where they may have made an offer and basically he said, no way in hell am I taking that. And the reason they kept saying that Greg Marshall was not with the team is because he was with this team of lawyers. And they came up with, they came up with this deal and Wichita State said, all right, this is what we would do now. We just want this to be over. We We want to be able to, have our assistant, well, our interim coach concentrate on coaching without having this cloud hanging over because look at the timing of it. So go ahead, weigh in. Yeah, go, go ahead, weigh in with your comments. Let me ask you this question, because Greg Marshall flat out denied any of the allegations. He denied punching Shaq Morris, and I'm going to get to that, too. Uh, We have yet to get a statement from Kyle Linstead, who is the alleged coach that Greg Marshall put his hands around his throat, and he still has yet to make a comment. As a matter of fact, his statement is no comment. He's at the University of Minnesota on the staff of, are you ready for this? Richard Patino. And well, we we know the uh, 
the bloodline. He's the son of Rick Pitino. So you're kind of just wondering when something is going to happen because they often say the apple don't fall too far from the tree. And we know what happened with Rick Pitino at Louisville. So with Greg... statement from one uh i don't know if you remember him his name is kalen malone he played under marshall for a couple of years and basically said uh it went, the, this story went like this is kalen malone played two seasons at wichita state under greg marshall and isaac brown he says i think specifically guys on the 2017-18 team knew who coach marshall was what we were dealing with and what we signed up for said the former soccer guard on november 17th 2020, Greg Marshall resigned as head coach of the Shockers men basketball team and the university elevated assistant head coach Isaac Brown as interim coach. He's a little bit more quiet, said Malone, but at the same time, I think his ability to listen and hear his players is one of the reasons he's going to be successful. Uh, as a matter of fact, it says Isaac Brown served as an assistant coach for 19 years in the Division I ranks. His resume includes coaching five programs, South Alabama, 2002-07, Arkansas, 2007-2010, Arkansas State, 2010-2011, Louisiana Tech, 2011-2014, and currently Wichita State. And he has a pretty good impressive resume. He says uh, Brown has helped lead those five programs to 11 20-win seasons, eight conference regular season titles, two conference tournament championships, 10 postseason appearances, Along the way, he's coached 58 all-conference selections and six NBA players. That's quite an impressive resume coming from an assistant standpoint, not to mention Wichita State is making history again because back in the day, if you remember Wichita State football, they were the first school to hire an African-American to coach Division I NCAA football by the name of Willie Jeffries. Now... They're making history amongst themselves because this is the first time ever they've had a black head coach. But back to Marshall by flat out denying. Do you think had he taken a different approach to the allegations if he would have said, look, this is what happened in practice? Because the player who's at name, name who, who surfaced all this, Shaq Morris, Shaquille Morris, and it was due to a hard foul on Zach Brown. Now, you think had he said 
look, it was an intense moment in practice. Yes, I admit I kind of lost my cool because of the play. Because, you know, when you're in practice, you don't do those hard plays on your own teammates as you would someone on another team. So it was so it was a hard foul. And had he and had he worded it differently, if he would have said, Look, yes, I mishandled it and I apologize and I wanna, you know, make things right. You think had he had a different approach as to get, as opposed to flat out denying it, we might be talking about maybe Greg Marshall serving a suspension as opposed to Greg Marshall resigning. is Wichita State in moving forward? Because right now, th- th- let's just say it, they have a lot of lame duck positions. And when I say lame duck, I mean, yeah, Isaac Brown, interim coach, and I'm I'm fully behind him. I hope he gets the job done. As a matter of fact, I hope he gets the job done for the fact that he's one of the leading candidates for the job. Now, there's another name thrown out there too, Adrian Griffin. We'll get to that some other time, some other show. But, uh, when I say lame duck, Isaac Brown, interim coach, that means he's basically just temporarily unless he can earn that position. Sure. Darren Boatwright is the athletic director, may I say, for now. Why would I say for now? Because you're also dealing with schools that does not have a president right now. Right. And that was kind of sketchy how that played out because the president they had was on the job for nine months and he decided to step down. Plus, they're still dealing with the backlash of the Ivanka Trump situation, how that was handled. So, what what is the total outlook of the university, but then how does this all play out? Because Eric Sexton at the time was, if you look at the time frame when this all happened, he was the athletic director and stepped down. So, do you think he might have known something that said, you know what, I'm getting out of this situation. Darren, you can have this. I'm not saying that how it played out, but when you look at the time frame, it makes you wonder. I would hate to, I would hate to speculate, but you know, I will say it, it, it does appear just from the outside looking in. And we kind of got a program right now that's in a free for all. And uh, you know, our hope is that we certainly can get some leadership and Oh, man. 
resources and have an active fan base that's willing to kind of ride with this program no matter what. It's just really unfortunate. I mean, just do the right thing. Um, what we know from history is that um, soccer fans are loyalists. Right. You and I know from, from years of attending games under the Thompson and Cole era, and even losing. Uh, well, we have decent crowds. So it's a program that has a loyal fan base. Right. We just want you to do the right thing. Exactly. So, uh, you know, in, in, in saying that, I want to throw up the name Shaquille Morse because, see, I'm I'm not saying Greg did it. I'm not saying Greg didn't do it. And and the reason I'm taking that stance is because you, just like me, we weren't there. But now on Shaquille Morris's part, if this happened then, why wait until now to say something unless he's seen an opportunity that maybe now is the time to say something because trust me ain't no coach in modern day history putting his hands on a player without something happening in return or something being mentioned about it right there on the spot so why did it take so long for him to finally say something Marshall took over this program, what, was it 2014, something like that? And you got players from Winthrop speaking up, talking about suffering from anxiety, depression, and I mean, it's like, it, it, it appears, like you said, using the word on the outside looking at, it appears that people seeing a situation, like, oh, what's going on with Greg, Wichita State? Oh, okay, well, I remember this happened to me. Let's just add 
no add more fuel to this fire. Let's just stoke these flames, so to speak. So it looked like it's a situation where people seen a fire and they said, well, let's just stoke the flames and add a little bit more fuel to it. And, you know, as big as he is in the coaching ranks, all it takes is this much and we can bring this empire down. So there, there are so many angles how we can look at this. Uh, 
of the real issue of the Jaguar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's unfortunate. That's what ultimately happens in these kind of scenarios. We talk about the person who is on the receiving end of the abuse. Mm-hmm. The patient being not to be abused. And so the question we need to come is there ever a appropriate time for a man to be putting his hands on somebody? Right. this question. Do you think Greg has a style that's kind of reminiscent of some of the coaches of old and that that style of coaching is probably not the accepted norms today? And then you throw in the fact that a lot of these kids, they come in to these programs now. They, they, they have come from playing in all-star games, playing on circuits. Because most of these players, when they get noticed, it's not because they're playing at their high school. It's because they're playing at these AAU camps, these Adidas camps, these Boost Mobile camps, maybe Metro. I mean, you you get the picture. They're playing at camps and games where they can get exposed. Do you think the fact that these kids are being handed all of this, let me just say it, entitlement that they go in to these universities thinking that they are entitled to some of this stuff, and especially in Wichita State situation because, remember, those players that were sophomores last year were also freshmen on a team that only had two seniors. And even Marcus McDuffie said when he came in, he was looking to, you know, really shine, but they had senior leadership. And when you have a team for the juniors and seniors, they have a way of, you know, basically keeping you in your place, so to speak. It's kind of an unwritten rule. And by that team transitioning from freshman to sophomore, with the exception of maybe a JUCO player or two, you have a bunch of puppies trying to establish who's going to be the top dog. Do you think that played a role in some of what went on at Wichita State, too, along with some of the Greg Marshall situation? It certainly can. I mean, you know, we are talking about kids that generally when they enter into like a D1 program or scholarship, They've come from situations where they have been the top dog. They have been, um, you know, gassed all their lives. They have been told how great they are. And the expectation for them is that they would, you know, come to a program and experience that same level of So that may not happen. But I still think to focus on that takes us away from the larger issue. And uh, I think that's a conversation that is really just too uncomfortable for most of us because not only uh, is it a conversation that says uh, we allow abusers to prevail, we reward them as long as they win, but we also reward them to some degree and find a way to defend their actions and say, oh, well, we need this kind of Unfortunately, and what about to not only this program specifically, but what about? 
whole world for us as a larger culture because it says that really is promotion over there. And the only we win, we're overlooking stuff. Now here again, I'll ask you that let's 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 put this conversation or this question in reverse. Would we accept that, would we accept any of these allegations that Coach Marshall had uh the record of a top suit or a co-winner? Would we have accept any of this? So we're sending a message that as long as you win, you can pretty much do whatever. And that makes a lot of sense. And like I said, you know, I, I mentioned the name Darren Boatwright. I hate to be in his position because he's pretty much the one that's had to handle these situations. Uh, like I told you off the record, now I'm telling you on the record, last week I had the chance to have a very nice young lady on my program, Jody Adams, who was in my to record, I believe, the most successful women's Wichita State basketball coach, winning three straight Missouri Valley Conference tournaments and also getting into three straight NCAA tournaments. But there were some complaints saying that it wasn't egregious allegations to the Greg Marshall effect, but she was labeled as being too harsh and too strict. Too harsh and too strict. If she had a final four to her name, I, I think the conversation would have been a little different. I'll say this. She came from good stock. Right. She played at the University of Tennessee under who? Pat Summit. Oh, yeah. Who is Pat Summit? One of the most revered names in all of college basketball, men and women. But sitting down, but talking with her last week, I learned even more about her. And the one thing I learned about her is she's a life giver and she has a whole lot to offer life. But, you know, honing it back in, I hate to be the one that's in Darren Boatwright's position because he's the one that's had to handle these situations. And you wonder what is it going to look like once the school gets him a permanent school president is his job still secure? Because who knows, the school president might want to say, let's clean house, let's start all over. You would hope. Well, actually, do you feel like he's handled any of this well? I think due to the nature and the timing of this situation, and you're looking at the season, like literally around the corner. Right. At the time, it was the best thing to do. Now, maybe years later, after we find out more, because we're not going to find out everything right now. But after we find out more, we may say, well, then, why would y'all give this man that much money? Well, think of it this way. If you have a, if you terminate the man and he decides to file a lawsuit, you got this thing hanging over your head while there's a basketball season being played, which is taken away from what's actually going on in the court. You're taking away the attention from the guy you have, to have as an interim coach. So they did the best thing for the, moment because you want to be able to concentrate on the season at hand, give this coach a fair chance. Now, like I said, years later, maybe three, four years down the road, we may find out some more, and then more questions will be asked. Right now, I think everybody just wants to move on. 
And I think that's a logical thing. Uh, I think just yesterday that there was no winners in this situation. And uh, I certainly agree with that, uh, even on to the fan base. Because we're at a moment where I don't necessarily uh, disparage uh, how they handled the situation in terms of forcing a resignation. But I feel like this ideal of not disclosing the report and not giving us any kind of details of what the findings were, it leaves too much room for speculation. And I don't think they turned the broader community uh, well by doing that. You know, and so we have all of this ambiguity, we got unanswered questions, and we have a program that is refusing Mm-hmm. to reveal the findings. Hey, look I here. Mean, people spend hard money to send the students to these schools and you don't give us any kind of report on what you thought. I think that's uh Let's pause right there. Let's pause right there. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options: ninety-nine cents a month, four ninety-nine a month, or nine ninety-nine a month will get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hello. Hey, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing just fine. And I uh, can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me fine? Yes. Good. 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 So I just want to go ahead and welcome you in right now on the A Train Sports Talk podcast. And I want my listening audience to know that we are talking with Jody Adams, now assistant coach at Southern Illinois, if I'm correct. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And the first thing I want to do is I want to ask you because I believe you played under Pat Summit at Tennessee. You coached under her. Mm-hmm. And I believe you had a coaching job at Wichita State University, was the winningest coach at Wichita State University. But you've had quite a journey. So tell us how your journey began. Well, uh, you know, the journey began after I graduated from the University of Tennessee and uh, stayed there for a fifth year as a student assistant. And at the time of graduation, um, I was trying to decide whether to go, um, you know, back into the high school, you know, setting and go back home. 
and then Pat presented like always. She has a um, like all great coaches. She has a bigger vision of you than maybe you have of yourself. And she said, Jody, I just really see you, you know, as a college coach. And if you had the opportunity to do that, you know, would you like to do that? And where would you like to coach? Um, so I, I did think about it. And, uh, you know, I came back the next day and said, yes, you know, I'd, I'd love to do that. And um, my choice would be Auburn University. That did end up happening. Um, so that's where my coaching career began after my student assistant and playing career at Tennessee was there at Auburn uh, University with Joe Champion. Okay. <clears throat> so what are some of the things that you carried with you that you learned under Pat Summit? Because Pat Summit, I mean, when you said the name basketball, you know, people think about the legendary John Wood, UCLA. But then you also hear the name Pat Summit mentioned with some of the names because a lot of people and I'm a real advocate. I enjoy watching women's basketball. I'll even watch WNBA. And there's a lot of talk shows that won't even talk about women's basketball. But you cannot mention the name basketball without mentioning Pat Summit's name in it. And they even have the court named after her. What are some of the life lessons that Pat Summit taught that carried you to where you're at right now? Well, I think always is to be the best version of you each and every day. Um, I think uh, that was number one, is to be authentically you. And Pat was authentically herself, you know, each and every day. She did not try to be anybody but herself. We saw transparency. We saw vulnerability uh, with her, even though she was a dynamic and amazing leader that I'm sure most of the time we're like, okay, does she ever break? Does she ever get tired? Um, and she just truly looks so strong in life. Um, but that wasn't true. I mean, she was truly just pure and human and uh, doing her best each and every day. So I would say that to be, it was to be the best version of you. And, and I'll talk about this and, and the fact of being a coach today. Um, I learned that playing at Tennessee, we were all All-Americans. You know, we all had been great players at a high school. And, um, and she was bringing in together a very talented group. And so all of us everywhere that our coaches, teaches, we're bringing arena field. And I I saw in her, her teaching, it was simple. It was keep it simple. It mm -hmm. doesn't have to be a lot. You just got to be really, really good at what we do as a team. And so we would have a team and a, a company and, um, and how she was going to build this. And she was going to find a role to put you in where your gifts would shine. And so I think that those two things, I saw her 
day in and day out uh, gifts and, and give tirelessly to mm-hmm. all of us, whether it was a personal need, it was a um, program need, it was a university need, it was a high school coach that needed her, it was a, her family that needed her. I saw her gifts just tirelessly. And I believe because she was such a great giver, uh, she received so much by being a great giver. So I saw her as a giver mm-hmm. and a life giver. Um, I think when you look, there's no one that is successful um, in Yes, but uh, winning ballgames, winning in life, with the amount of discipline that she had. Right. I mean, she she operated under discipline, and you know, we we live by the definite dozen um, as student athletes, and you know, talked a lot about that. But uh, so. I guess if I would say anything, it'd be those four things, you know, about her, you know. So now we kind of transition in from your days of being up under Pat Summit to landing that head coaching job. You coached at Wichita State, I believe, for nine years. And upon departure, you were the winningest coach in Wichita State women's basketball history. Uh, three straight Missouri Valley Conference championships, uh, something that hasn't been done in quite some time since you well, – I don't think it's been done, period. You were the one that did that. You've had some dynamic players. Uh, I'm still in contact with one of them, uh, Hannah Mortimer, uh, who actually had a stint with the Globe Trotters. She's now assistant uh-huh. at Butler County. Uh, you had Jessica Diamond. I'm in contact with her as well. Great ladies that you have molded into great citizens. So tell me about your time at Wichita State. Well, Wichita State, you know, I'm young coming in as far as being, you know, a head coach. It was really, I spent a year at Maurice State. So I'd been, you know, assistant coach, I I want to say for 13 years and then hopped into uh, being a head coach for one year at Maurice State. But, you know, traveling the way that we do, I'd always seen myself at Wichita State, hopefully one day being a head coach, if the opportunity presented itself, just traveling through the Missouri Valley Conference. Like, I, I thought that that would be, a, you know, a, a great spot to land. And, you know, a, a dream came true, and God blessed me with um, a wonderful uh, stint there from growing from a second year you know, head coach and growing a program, you know, from the bottom of the, of the valley to the top. And, you know, we all know that none of us can do anything with, you know, with significance in life. And first and foremost for me, you know, without God, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and secondly, it, uh, without wonderful people around you. Mm-hmm. And, and I did have that. I had wonderful people around me that believed in the vision of 
how we were going to build a culture and recruit um, young ladies in that uh, represented, you know, high character. You know, they were talented and would represent the university, the city of Wichita. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it, it, there was so much to be learned, um, I think, walking in. And the, <laughs> the biggest thing I kept reminding myself, because I felt like all I knew was rock in 21st, <laughs> in <laughs> my first two years at Wichita, I was like, you know, and there, there's some lessons here. Because I did. At times, I felt like the exorcist. My head was just spinning. As a, as a young head coach, there was a lot to do. You know, I wanted to do well. Uh, for you know, obviously, Dr. Beggs had hired me, and um, I just I loved them. I loved their character, and, and Eric Sexton, and just the type of people that they were. I wanted to to build something that they would be proud of, and more importantly, you know, the community would be proud of. But it goes back to the things that I mentioned, you know, um, uh, about what I saw from Pat. And really before what I saw that from Pat, I saw this from my father that's a coach, my grandfather that's a coach. So growing up in a coaching family, you know, I just saw very authentic people that are that were very real and they were great at some things and they were not so good at other things. So the hiring process is always try to find people that can fill in. In your gaps, the first and foremost, be great developers, be mm-hmm. great communicators and relationship builders. And so, you know, as I walk through being a young uh, head coach into having some amazing young women um, come through the program, you know, our, our biggest thing is we started very simple. You know, we just want to outwork and we want to compete. Mm-hmm. And I never feared that we would we would not win in time. I, I never feared that. You know, I always wanted these young ladies, though, to be safe, protected. You know, often thought, okay, there's a responsibility here. Of, you know, what they do in the community. And um, I wanted them to have it better than I did. Uh, at the University of Tennessee, and you know what you know now is is really as a as a teacher and a life's teacher, mm-hmm. it's just walking with them. It's just walking with them, and and basketball is a game of failure and recovery. Right. Much like much like life, right? Right. So, um, you know, as a head coach, and obviously. Um, you know, broken and, and, and not perfect. I was too learning very young. And so, you know, as time passed, you know, you grow, you, you, um, I see myself as a life learner. You know, it's really hard to expect others to learn if you yourself, you know, don't want to continue to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just know being a life learner, I wanted to be able to influence and impact and um, and and be able to encourage others mm-hmm. that you can be the best version of you. You can as long as you don't live in a comparing world. Right. 
no one? So, oh, great. No, so, you know, that we really just, um, we worked hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got after it. I mean, basketball is basketball. Like I said, it's a failing sport. Pretty much calls you out. Lack of discipline, lack of detail, lack of communication. Um, you know, it just calls out some tough things sometimes. And, you know, it, it, it reveals your heart. Mm-hmm. And I've always seen it like that. Um, I think if I had letters that were written from Pat to me. You know, it doesn't talk about how many points I scored. It talked about my heart, my loyalty, and my love for people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we grew it, and, um, you know, I was very proud of the young women that came through there and spent the, the time. And, you know, uh, it's tough doing, it's tough doing what they, they did and what they accomplished. Right. And, um, and the same thing with the staff. I mean, you're ded- dedicated to building and helping young women get prepared for life. And uh, a lot of that is looking at their own hearts. Absolutely. Like we have to, like we have to each and every day. Right. So now one of the things I want to get at, because we're living in a different time and era and seem like coaching styles now have to adapt to the kids of today. But before we really dive into that, because after Wichita State, your journey took a different path. And one of the things I want to say is I remember you meeting, I remember meeting you at my one life event that was at on the campus of Newman university. So if I'm correct, after you and Wichita state parted ways, you went to Derby high school, if I'm correct. Is that right? Yes. Uh-huh. And to those of us on the outside looking in, that would look like a step down but hearing you talk <laughs> hearing you talk now because you don't get to know a person until you hear them talk hearing you talk look like you took that as an opportunity to do what you do best and the key word you said is teach and life lessons so what was that experience life like and how did it get you where you are today at southern illinois well you know, I, I think, you know, just the whole uh, experience of Wichita State, and if we really unpack that, and because there's a lot of self-discovery through that walk at Wichita State, to uh, the separation, um, you know, me really seeking to understand me and um, how I wanted to better myself and understand when am I at my best, you know, uh, when I'm not at my best even. And so you have to understand yourself. So it goes back to those hearts and how we're wired. So, you know, I, um, I had learned a lot about myself. I'd spent time studying with a sports psychologist. I'd spent time just still with the Lord and just having him um, show me the truths and promises of exactly what he wanted me to see through this experience that I went through and a blessing that I went through at Wichita State. Mm-hmm. So without sitting with him, you know, I, I knew I was not, I, I would not be able to see clearly really where he wanted me, what he wanted me to um, grow 
from different areas and and really within my own heart and how how it needed to continue to grow and grow closer to him which it did so you know i had a chance because i did sit with um sit and uh connect um my heart to truths and promises and um, I had a wonderful friend in Jody Karsak uh, that uh, was just a, uh, just a great sister uh, to me at the time. And um, I was able to walk into some of the things that I had worked on and wanted to be better at. And Jody thought I'd do a, a, a good job for her and I was a good fit. And so I got to go in there and, and really connect. Uh, connect my heart to kids' hearts, help them understand their hearts and what their best are. And, you know, some things come very, very easy to us as coaches, you know, and I really wanted to master my craft uh, as an encourager mm-hmm. um, and the relationship building part of things because I do, I, I love people. And I, I have so much, I uh, find so much joy and seeing them do well. And so, um, you know, just going in and that whole experience of spending time with those young gals and um, to top it off, to see them pull everything together and and win a a state championship um, from operating, you know, Jody's culture to, you know, how they played for each other on the court and, uh, just to see it all come together, it was such a beautiful thing. And uh, it was, you know, it was, I would have to say one of, the, one of the highlights of my careers of coaching basketball and playing basketball, and that would include a national championship because that team was really special. Mm-hmm. There was only 11 of us that won that national championship team. And the culture there at Tennessee and the togetherness of that team you know, I saw you see a lot of similarities in teams that win championships. So um, being there and, um, you know, just really able, able to be my authentic self and transparent, like I've always walked earth. I've been really right and I've been really wrong. Um, you know, but uh, me loving to connect uh, to people's hearts and really want to empower them and use basketball as the vehicle to teach life mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit about themselves where hey you if you will understand being a life learner is all you know pretty cool because you don't have to be great all the time you'll right. understand that you know from a really early age I don't have to be right I will get out of my comfort zone knowing it's okay to fail mm-hmm and um, so just, you know, experiencing that and just seeing those kids, you know, get after it and do things that they had never done before and try new things. Just a, it was a blessing. Absolutely. Blessing. Absolutely. So now you're at Southern Illinois, back in the valley, mm-hmm. familiar yes. territory, get to see some of the same places, some of the same gyms, and probably some of the same familiar faces at different stops. So what is the expectation at SIU and 
what knowledge are you passing on? Because I feel like this, this is me personally. You're an assistant now, but one of these days I feel you're going to be a head coach again. I'm pretty sure you've heard those <laughs> words, but I'm in your corner. I'm oh, rooting for well. you. <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I have to, I have to say, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, my husband, uh, Roy Birch, which is still in Wichita, mm -hmm. uh, that owns Birch Performance, you know, without him encouraging me uh, to come here and um, a great friend asking me and Cindy Stein, which is the head coach, to come here and, you know, to walk along beside her and be her associate head coach. Um, you know, I just really appreciate their support in doing that. Uh, because you, you, you do wonder, okay, you know, I know I'm a teacher. I know I'm an encourager. Um, I know I can go in and build up teams and um, get them to pull together as groups. So you kind of, you know, you get my age, you, you know your gifts, and you also know your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. So to be able to come here and, you know, I'm working along a veteran in the in the game, with, as you know, with Cindy Stein, and uh, so you know, coming in, me just watching, you know, really the first year and being an encourager, just going wherever she needs me, you know, it's probably probably what I did really the first two years, and you know, she wanted feedback and wherever she needed feedback, I would give her feedback, but I just took whatever role. Um, I felt, you know, I was pulled into to try to help and just, you know, make, make it better with whatever it was. But from day one, I dove in to the kids that I would be working with day in and day out to where today I do, um, you know, I'll work with all of them on the court, you know, whether it's in groups, one-on-one. But I, I'm in charge of skill development and, um, you know, just assisting Cindy and whatever she needs me to do and, and everybody else. You know, we're in a time of, of helping everybody mm -hmm. from equipment managers to you name it. You know, there's nothing beneath, I know, me to, to get out there and do. But, um, you know, I, I got here. It's been a blessing. I'm going into my third year of... Uh, you know, just really uh, watching a culture evolve. Uh, you know, Cindy was changing some things, and um, I've been, you know, studying along some uh, with a, a couple of coaches and talking about leadership and, uh, you know, building culture, not just having it written on the wall. Mm -hmm. But, you know, from, for, for me, it's really important. And I can take the student athlete from good to great through joy. Because joy is the greatest human motivator. Right. 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 I mean, just think about it. It gives me chills. So, you know, and I say that with a huge smile on my face. I could imagine. <laughs> you know, because relationships are so important. I love families. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't love to go into other people's homes and recruit such a rainbow and, uh, a beautiful picture of bringing all kinds of people together with all kinds of backgrounds and where they've come from, from hardships to, you know, blessings to you name it. But to also understand, and I think it's hard sometimes 
you know, when you look at Patch Summit, you just see her as a coach with a lot of wins and a lot of championships. But that's where we're missing it. And that's where, you know, society is just really, you know, they see you as cover. And, and that's tough. Mm-hmm. Because below that cover, there is a heart. Right. And and that heart is what we teachers, because I consider myself a teacher and an encourager, is to get you know, to the heart behind the jersey. And basketball is what we get to do. It, it, it's not, it does not define who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, the winning doesn't define me. It just has a whole lot to do in a body of work of a lot of people that extends beyond into the community of Wichita and how they embrace uh, the student athletes and um having a mentor group because I knew I could not touch every kid's need Mm -hmm. and I knew I would need help with that. And so, um, but it was really important walking into this situation. What I began to discover is emotional intelligence right? and where we are as a society, Mm -hmm. you know, where, where my, where are you, you know, Jody Birch today? You know, with that, and and how can you help these kids? Because um, there's going to be events, and once we have an event, there's going to be another event like it. How mm-hmm. did you respond? Right. And how you respond, majority of the time, is going to influence, in some way, the outcome. And so that's why we talk about our hearts, and those are some of the first conversations that I have with kids is about their hearts and mm-hmm. their desires of. You know, whatever's about your heart is about, it should shine on the court too. And it has to shine during hard times. Right. And trust me, trust me, it was the hardest thing to ever, you know, do when you go through such a tough time of not understanding things, not being able to connect dots or um, whether it's pain, it's suffering, whatever, is to be able to forgive. Mm-hmm. to love again mm-hmm. right yeah. to look at yourself better yourself and move forward and it's really important as a teacher I consider myself a leader a servant leader mm-hmm. that we handle those toughest situations and those toughest assignments you know really well and you know just by the grace and the mercy of God just yeah. has given me strength to um to really um, see everything as a blessing. Absolutely. And I do I, I do operate in joy. I can't say it wasn't hard, but I'm just so grateful that I had somewhere to look to, and it wasn't a human mm-hmm. that would give me truths and promises. Truths and promises, and that's all I relied on, and then the gifts that I have. Absolutely. And and the friendships and the people that loved for me and loved me and cared for me and really had the best interest in me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that were that were for you. There's so many people out there that are not for each other. How you know, how can we not be that way? And so how 
empower young women still to a life of significance where identity, character, you know, self-worth and values, those are, those all are talked about and, and it becomes something of conversation, you know, that we talk about those things to their heart. I can't bring out the best and I can't get them to see what, you know, hey, you're at your best when you do this, when you focus here, you stay in your lane and just, you know, do your job out here on the court. Basketball is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. We make it difficult because, right. you know, for me, it goes back to how you communicate and how you connect. So the ability just to transform a program to a big belief, you know, um, you have to have big belief in life, right? Or you don't get back up. Right. Yep. got to have uh, the truths and promises. Are, mm-hmm. are you just living fear? And we know fear is a liar. Right. So, you know, just um, building big belief, you know, here at Southern, which I've tried to do wherever I've been. I think if you look probably at my my road of travel, it's just been going into places and being able to, to help them. However, however long I'm blessed to help them. Right. One of the and, things. Yeah. Um, go ahead. One of the things I can say. And yes, we we've already started in on another segment. <laughs> uh, and whatever time you need, you can have all the time you need today on here. Because uh, one of the things you know from observing you and listening, even as we're talking, one of the words that stick out is the word humble, humility, which basically means lowering oneself. And if there's a person I can say now after talking to you for these last 30 plus minutes is that you are the embodiment of humbleness and you remind me of a scripture that says humble yourselves in the sight of God and he will exalt you in due time that's the scripture that comes to mind I know I talk sports on this podcast and I'm talking to a coach but there are times where sometimes we have to be transparent and that scripture just sticks out in listening that you talk because you are a person of humbleness and you mentioned another word, servant, servant, servanthood. So. Mm-hmm. And I do, I, I love to serve. I love to help. My husband would tell me that, you know, you'll help anybody. And if I could stop, <laughs> go over the car and help everybody every time I could, you know, that's just, that's just big love. And I was just so blessed to see that at home. And, um, you know, a family that loves big and and loves everybody. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I humbly thank you. Because, <laughs> um, you know, well, I do know this, that walking through humility. And so when you've, you know, been put in a light of, you know, a source says this, a source says that about you. Is this right? Is this wrong or whatever? At the end of the day, all I ever know is my heart and my intent. And my intent is not to harm anyone. It's mm-hmm. to help everyone. You know, but being a truth teller and, um, you know, recognizing or maybe where I was I feared certain things like it was too hard for an individual. They weren't happy here or uh, instead of growing with that young person, you know, 
those were things that I had to figure out. And I know I'm walking through humility and it was very, it, it was difficult because automatically, you know, you want to BCD and blame, complain and defend. And I just know, I just knew in time, you know, uh, what I did, you know, right, what I did wrong would come to light. Um, in the eyes that only matter to me, and and that's God's. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very very important. What people perceived, what you know, they want to read into or look at wins and think I'm all about winning or anything like that. No, I'm 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 about people. I love people, mm-hmm. and, and I do do want them to have it better than we ever had it, and want them to be more equipped when they leave of knowing about themselves because the game of basketball reveals a lot. Right. It's a fair, it's failing sport. It's a tough sport. Right. It's a failing sport. So, you know, and that's where this game is. You know, if we bring our grade every day, you bring your grade every day. Right, Anthony? Right. So-and-so brings their grade every day. Hey, we're going to, we're going to be a great team. Because we're living in our great, it's going to be more fun, right? We're working together. We take ownership that this is a system. It's not, I got mine. So the more that, you know, we focus on each other, hey, this is our culture. This is um, what we do versus I got mine. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do me. That's where we fail. That's very selfish. That's where we don't grow. So I know just, you know, rolling through this, the humility has brought me so much joy. And walking through it humbly and taking whatever came my way, even though it was painful, it was painful for, you know, my mom to see, to hear, my husband, uh, my friends, you know, but what it has brought us today, (laughs) you know, it's just amazing. It just, you know, it just really is. And. Like I said, I, I just, I love my time in Wichita. I call it home. Right. And, you know, I really do. And I'm a, go ahead. And I'll, and I'll say this. When I heard that Wichita State had hired you, I'm, I'm one, I like to see where they came from. So when I seen that you were a player at Tennessee and you coached under Pat Summit, I said, oh, that's a good hire. So I was happy upon the hiring. But I was also kind of broken up on the departure because, like you say, people will perceive what they want to perceive. They'll basically they'll believe what they want to believe, not knowing full scoop, the full scope of, of everything. And uh, it's amazing how media can play on people's mind, and like you say, people will believe what they want to believe. But I was actually broken because I'm like. This is the winningest coach that y'all had in y'all's history, and this is how it's ending, and it's going to take forever for it to rebound because, I mean, if I'm correct, you came after Daryl Smith. Is that right? I came in after Jane Albright. Okay, Jane Albright. So there was that time between because Daryl was one of the guys we always referred to him as the man in black because every time you see him at the game, (laughs) he was always in black. You always seen this uh-huh. intensity on the court, but as soon as that clock struck zero, 
win, lose, or draw. He was all smiles, ready to shake hands with the fans, you know, appreciative of the fans that came out there. And then he was let go. Then Albright. And I'm like, okay, this ain't working. And like I say, when you came in, I seen who you came from. I said, oh, that's good stock. They were going to get the program back. And like I said, your your record speaks for itself. You put in the time. And like I said, you have some women to this day that still speak highly of you, which means you have left your mark. You have left your footprints on people's heart. And wherever you go, I know you're going to leave your mark wherever you go. And people are going to know they met Jody Adams. Well, you know, thank you. We all know that, you know, our legacy is how um, we, we walk our walk every day. And, um, you know, just wanting, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. And, and I hadn't been perfect. Sure, you know, I went. You know, got it together, but I got a chance at Derby. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my next chance, and so blessed by it. And so, um, you know, I was just so grateful for that the offer and uh, to walk beside Jody, which is, you know, a, a dear friend of mine today. With which is kind of just interesting. It's just been one, you know, a door. Um, after another door that has been opened for me mm-hmm. um, through all of this. And so, you know, I love going in and helping and if I can do anything is connect with a kid and help them just walk through a tough life and this tough time right now. And, um, you know, cause we do have choices, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we do. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just very grateful. The, the people that I've been around and that have just, you know, cheered me on oh. and been there to to support me. And it's been just great to be in the role that I've been in and be able to uh, support others. So and here's it's, a, been, a, it's right. been a blessing. And, right. and here's a question I want to ask you. I'm going to let this be my last question. Uh we see there's a change in the kids today and i have a my theory is this as the coaches are getting older the recruits that they're bringing in are getting younger so looking at today's culture because all right i'm gonna say these names john wooden pat summit bobby knight uh john cheney uh the one that just recently passed away not too long ago, uh, John Thompson. And the reason I say these names, these coaches were the demanding type. They want the best from you. And the best way to say it, maybe their coaching styles weren't for everybody. But have we gotten away from that coaching style? Because it seemed like we have kids coming in today. Like you said, when you came in, everybody was came from great high schools. They were all winners. They were stars at their uh, schools. But now it seems like these kids today, they come in and they want the treatment of a king, but haven't really earned it. So what would you tell coaches and how to adjust to kids today? Or is there adjustment part on both sides? What would your advice be? Well, 
I think the thing that all kids today that that they had when I played, you know, Pat Summit, I mean, John Wooden. I mean, look at Coach Hamilton from Florida State or Coach K from Duke. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that are still coaching. It's again, we all have hearts. So are we coaching more X's and O's? That's probably where, you know, we're wrong. We got to coach more hearts. And the more that we can coach hearts and we can get, you know, help kids understand there's going to be events always. It's going to be how we respond. You know, and we can't blame and complain and defend. You know, we've got to uh, be able to take responsibility of our actions, and we just got to walk with. We got to walk with these young kids. They want discipline. You know, but just like all of us, they also want encouragement. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you want to be a great basketball player, you know you're going to have to be in great shape so basketball is a sport that he doesn't like to work hard right right so you know it, it's really not about team and you're more about ah it's really hard on you mm-hmm. because you, you got to have team play and the best teams are the teams that win they got they got a they got a team that has the, you know the heart of a line they got the glue player they got the engine so they just fit together and they, they stay in their lane. But it's all about the culture that they're about. Mm-hmm. You know, are, are we are we servanthood? Are we about serving each other? Because how we treat each other says a lot about how we're going to treat each other on the court. So, you know, and like I said, those things become very, very real and vivid in the game of basketball. You cannot hide if you're going to be selfish. Right. You know, you just can't. So I would say, and the only thing that, you know, you just really want them to understand is, is just being aware of themselves and their heart. And when they figure out their own heart and you help them walk, you know, through some, and what's their purpose in life and what are their gifts I mean it's just amazing just how much they want to come back for more mm-hmm. you know and they love the, they love the game even though it is calling them out then they find themselves laughing at themselves you know and they did fail oh you're right you know I got out of my lane I was in so and so's lane you know you're right I three instead of trying to finish at the rim on 6-2 that can dunk Right. You know, so it's uh, it's just fun to watch. And I was one of those kids. I was like, you know, Pat is so right. I didn't I'm pulling and passing. I didn't really fit in the lane at 5-4 in the SEC. So it just goes back to, you know, as a teacher, how you view life and how you view kids and how you view helping them and seeing their best and making sure that they know what their best is and that they're not comparing to someone else. So I think anybody can figure that out. Absolutely. And 
You know, but the thing is, if your heart is not wired like that, you will struggle as a coach. There's things that I struggled with as a coach, even though there you see a lot of winning. That's not important to me. It's more, are they, what are they doing today? You know, what kind of moms are they? What kind of partners are they in life? So do, do we have a failure recovery response or, you know, are we out there blaming everybody? Is it, you know, the head coach's fault or is it my boss's fault? That's not what we want to graduate, you know, from Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. We want young women that are going to take responsibility for their and accountability for their actions. Right. And so I, I think it does take time, you know, for those that haven't, I can't really figure it out or maybe struggling with it. Um, but when you sit and you connect with people that are doing it and doing it well, um, one of the ones that uh, that I really enjoy, um, you know, was Jody Karzak. You know, I really, I really love watching and learning from her. Um, you know, the John Woodens, you know, he was just really huge on principle. He was a man of principle. Uh, so some different people that, just been, um, it's been great to follow and watch and learn from him and kind of redevelop, you know, you know, your communication style and, and how you lead these young guys, you know, in life today. But that doesn't mean you can't have a disciplined program or you can't win ball games or you can't have expectations, you know, from kids. They, they want that. Mm -hmm. They really want that. They want to do well. And, um, but at the end of the day, it's also okay if we're not perfect, we'll take, we'll take, we'll take progress over perfection every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ms. Jody Adams, I want to say I am honored and blessed to have you join me on my podcast. And I'm just going to do it like this. You have an open invitation. Anytime (laughs) you want to come on, you don't have to wait for me to call. Just say, Hey. I want to come on again and we'll work that time out and you are welcome anytime because you have so much to offer that I think people need to hear. So like I said, you have an open invitation. I want to say good luck and God's blessings on y'all's season this year. I'll be keeping my eye on the SIU Salukis. If you have to remember that, I have to remember that name. That's right. So I'll be putting them on my watch list and see what they do. So best of luck and keep on doing what you're doing. As the old folks used to tell me, just keep on keeping on until God say, well done. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we'll do. And and you keep being a light out there. So I appreciate you having me on. It's such a pleasure and a blessing to be a part. All right. Thank you very much. Once again, that was Jody Adams Birch. She's now an assistant coach at Southern Illinois University, a member of the Missouri Valley Conference. So she's back in familiar territory. And as I alluded in the interview that for Wichita State, the Derby, to those of us on the outside looking in, that's a step down. But to her, it was an opportunity to do what she does, and that's continue to teach these young ladies beyond basketball, but about life's lessons. One of my 
honorable and blessed moments was the This Is My One Life event, which was put on, I do believe, by uh, Scott and Shannon Styles. You can't say one without the other. And I'm going to get Scott on here one day soon. But that event had some keynote speakers. Uh, the highlight speaker was Lou Holtz. Had a chance to meet him, too. But to hear people like Jody Adams speak, Coach Potter, formerly of Newman University, you know, people that we knew personally that, that was from around here. And granted, Jody Adams is not a local, but she put her time in Wichita State and basically left her legacy here. To hear her speak, to hear Mark Potter speak, and maybe I'll get him on someday too. And the fact that she's the embodiment of humbleness and humility, like I said, she reminds me of the biblical scripture that says, humble yourselves in the sight of God and in due time he will lift you up. And I believe that she's about to be exalted and lifted up to new heights. And she is that light that shining that men may see her good works, but that God will get the glory. And on that note, I am going to pause here and slide in a break from my sponsor. So stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. This is your conductor, Anthony Smith. 